Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. All right, all right. Well, again, good morning. Welcome to Encounter Church. Uh, This morning, we are in part three of a series that we're simply calling My Christmas Playlist. And here's the question that I've got to ask. What is the playlist that you are allowing to play over and over and over and over and over in your mind this Christmas season? Maybe that playlist is fear. Maybe that playlist is doubt or discouragement. Maybe that playlist is loneliness. Maybe that that playlist is revenge or can I harm somebody? Whatever that playlist is, can I just tell you that's not the playlist that God has for you? We learned week one in this series that the playlist that God has for us is this, that which is true. That which is honorable, which is right and pure and lovely and admirable. We're to allow the things that are excellent and worthy of praise to be on regular repeat in our hearts and on our minds. In this series, we're taking time to process through a variety of Christmas carols that we've sung over the years. Today, the song that I want to look at is the first Noel. Now this particular song, it was most likely written in the 16th or 17th century. Some say it was early as the 13th century. But in 1823, a gentleman by the name of William Sandys and another guy, Davies Gilbert, teamed up to write the lyrics to the song that we know today. Now, traditionally, there are up to nine different verses to this song. Now, depending on which hymnal you go to or which Christmas carol book you go to, depends on which of those nine are present. But today I decided, rather than give you all nine, because how do you know we'd be here till Christmas, right? I'm going to shrink this thing down to four simple verses, the four verses I found in these Assemblies of God hymnal. And that's what we're going to look at today. But our text is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Take a look at this. It says, you used to be like the people living in the dark, but now you are people of the light because you belong to the Lord. Then he gets real serious. So act like people of the light. Come on, look at that. You used to walk around in darkness. You used to be consumed by the darkness. That's what used to be on continual replay in your mind. That was the playlist that you allowed to captivate who you are. But now your life has changed. You've given yourself to Jesus. You've surrendered yourself to him. Therefore, the light of the world, Jesus, has entered into you. And therefore, we are called to live like people of the light. Amen? Amen. This morning what I want to do is I want to break apart this Christmas carol and I want to kind of look at the Christmas story and I want to find out how does that really apply to us today. Question number one is this, am I doing my parts? Now this isn't the question I'm asking myself, it's the question that we're asking ourselves. You've got to ask yourself, God, am I doing 
my part? God, am I doing what you've called me to do? How many of you would agree we were created to do more than just exist? We were created to do more than just get up in the morning and go through the routine of our day and come home and go to sleep and start the cycle all over. We were created with a greater purpose. We were created with a greater calling. Each one of us have been called by God to be light in a dark world. We used to live in darkness, but because of Christ, no longer are we in darkness. Now we've entered into the light, and we're called to be people of the light. I've taken back to the Christmas story a time when a group of ragtag shepherds were on the hillside. It was late at night at one moment when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds. What happened? The Bible says that they were terrified. They had no idea what was going on. This wasn't a night that they were used to. Normally it was just hanging out with the sheep, watching for the wolves or watching for the bears to make sure the sheep were safe all night long. It was typically a very quiet night, but this particular night something changed. The glory of the Lord showed around them. The Bible says they were terrified, but the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people, come on, that's good news right there. All people, that includes you, that includes me. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, Jesus, is born this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem. It says you'll find the baby, he'll be wrapped in strips of cloth, he'll be lying in a manger, and then the, this particular angel is joined by a host of heaven's armies, glorifying, praising God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But what did the shepherds do in the moments? As they heard this good news, as they heard the announcement from the angel, and they heard the chorus of angels beginning to praise God, what did the angels do? Did they just go back to the routine and say, that was really good concert, thanks guys? Is that, is that what they did? No. Come on, look at verse 17. The Bible says, after seeing him, the angel of the shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. There's five steps that I believe that the shepherds took that I want us to look at very quickly. Number one, the shepherds took time to listen. Go on, however you know, it's important. The first step is listening. Come on, husbands, look at your wives. Guys, the first step to success in your marriage is to listen. The first step in anything is to listen. I can't figure out what to do. I don't know my next step until I learn to listen. The shepherds in that moment had to pause and listen to the angels' announcements. The second step, they were obedient to follow. I shared this statement with you last week, and I'll share it again. Anything short of immediate obedience is disobedience. The shepherds in this moment, the angel said, the Messiah, yes, Jesus is born to you this day in the city of David in Bethlehem. You'll find him wrapped in strips of cloth. And the Bible says that the shepherds went to where the Christ child was and they began to give him praise. 
They responded in obedience. And number three, they were responsive in worship. Not just in that moment. Not just when they found this baby lying in a manger. You see, many of us, that's where we stop. We come into church and we have this moment in the presence of God and we worship him. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we adore you. And we should do that. That's correct. But how do you know our worship can't stop in the presence of God, but our worship's got to continue each and every day? You see, we're to be a light in the midst of darkness. Our scripture today says, act like people of the light. That's what the shepherds were doing. Point number four, they were passionate to share. They told everyone, everyone that they saw, they told them about Jesus and about what the angels had said about him. They were passionate to share. And finally, they were completely changed. And I began processing through these five points and what this looked like. And I realized that listening without action has zero value. Come on, think about that. Listening without action has zero value. However, listening with obedience and action bring about change. And that's what the shepherds experienced that day. They didn't stop at the listening stage. They didn't stop at the fact that the angels said to them, hey, I've got good news for you. In fact, it's great news for everybody. They didn't stop there and go, hey, thanks for the information. Peace out. But they began to respond to what the angel had said, and it drew them in to the presence of God, but they allowed that to create a change on the inside of who they are. Let me ask you a question. Where are you in your walk with Jesus? You see, each one of us has a role to play in this journey with Christ, our first Noel. But what would have happened if the shepherds that night had decided to, to stop at the listening stage. What would have happened if they would have said, you know what, we really liked the information that you shared. We really liked the choir of heaven's angels singing. That was really a great time. This will be a moment we'll always remember, but we're just going to pause right here. What would have happened? Well, first off, their lives would not have changed. But second off, look at this. The Bible says that they told everyone what had happened. And that the people were astonished. Now, if the shepherds had stopped at the listening stage, the lives of the people that they had conversation with also would have never changed. Look at our first verse. The first Noel. The angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay. In fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. I began looking at this verse, and I was reminded of a verse in 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, which says this, you are the light of the world. Come on, look, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Come on, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. The shepherds in that moment became the lights on the hilltop. The shepherds in that moment, in the midst of the darkness, I could imagine in the fields, I can imagine on the hillside late at night, it was pretty dark. They didn't have the city lights. They didn't have LED lights. It was dark. But in this moment, as they received the good news of great joy, which was for all people, when they saw the Christ child, when they began to praise him, something changed on the inside of who they are. A new joy, a new excitement, a new passion began to well up on the inside of them. They began telling everyone everywhere what they had seen and heard. They became a light in the midst of the darkness. They were once in darkness, but now in the lights. I believe the shepherds grabbed a hold of this good news of Jesus. But grab a hold of this. Jesus did not say, you are the light of the church. Right? Come on, look at the verse again. You are the light of the what? The world. See, it's not enough for us on a Sunday morning to come in here and go, oh, you know what? It's Sunday morning. I need to be ready. So I'm going to change the batteries in the light. I want to be nice and bright today. I want to be perky today. I want to have my Sunday morning face on today. I'm going to be the light of the church. But that's not what Jesus said, was it? He said, you are the light of the world. There are many different types of light that we have at our disposal on a regular basis. And I think, honestly, I think a lot of times Christians are a lot like those lights that we have. For example, we have the Christmas light Christians. Anybody know any Christ, uh, Christmas light Christians? You see them one time a year? Come on, they come out and it could be show, whatever, but it looks really good. And they came out, they punched that spiritual time card. They're the Christmas light Christian. Come on. Or maybe, number two, it's the flashing light Christian. Now, I don't know about you, but on Christmas lights, I don't like the twinkle lights. I want just, boom, just give it to me. But there are some that are their flashing light Christian. The problem is they're on and they're off. They're on and they're off. They're on and they're off. There's no consistency whatsoever. They give a little bit of light, but most of the time you're in darkness. They have good intentions, but very little follow through. Number three, you have the flashlight Christians. Very useful at times. We all have flashlights. My mom has a flashlight in every room of her house. Just in case, she says you never know when you're going to need a flashlight. But the problem with really good flashlights is the batteries don't last very long. They have a short lifespan. I've got a, a high-resolution uh, flashlight. And the battery, truth be told, if I left it on, it lasts about 30 minutes. I get about 30 minutes of really good use. So the problem with the flashlight Christian is they begin to uh, fade over time. They've got to be handheld most of the time. You've got to carry them along the way. 
And then you have the candlelight Christian. The problem with a candlelight Christian is they're affected by the wind. They work really well on the inside, but when the wind begins to blow, when the storm begins to come in, if you take them on the outside, if you take them into the midst of the storm, they simply don't hold up. And then you have the dimmer light Christians. The problem here is you never know what mood they're going to be in. Are they all in today or are they partially dim today? I really don't know. And finally, the beacon light Christians. This is what we're called to be. The beacon light, it warns of the danger. It guides the traveler of its way. They're the soul winners. They're the ones that share the good news of Christ. They're the light on the hillside shining for the world to see. They man the lighthouse of life. As Christians, we are to take up the cause and be a light for the cause of Jesus Christ. I wonder, what light are you today? As we approach this Christmas season, what light are you allowing yourself to be? Our second question is this, am I looking for opportunity? You see, the first is, am I doing my part? The second, am I looking for opportunity? This is a really tough question, because many times it's easier just to let life happen. It's easier just to let the chips fall where they may. Here at Encounter Church, we have a saying that says this, we take up the hard and the heavy to make it easy for the one. We do what needs to happen. We do the hard work so that the one, the lost lamb, the one that's all by themselves, the one that's, that's separated from the cause of Christ, the one that's journeying through darkness has the opportunity to come to know Christ. We're going to do what, what it takes. We're going to do that hard work. I wonder, are you looking for an opportunity? Our next verse of the song says this, they looked up and saw a star. It was shining in the east beyond them far, and to the earth it gave great light, and so it continued both day and night. Can I be honest with you today? I believe that a lot of this is why America is in the mess that it's in. What do I mean by that? I, I feel that the Christian, the church, has failed to look up. Come on. We've just been satisfied with, with coming in and doing our thing. We've simply been satisfied with just going through the motions, doing church. But we're called to look up to find Christ. We as Christians, we haven't wanted to offend anybody, or we're afraid of how they're going to respond. So we simply remain silent. And truth be told, we've become part of the problem rather than part of the solution. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Come on, put these verses together. You are the light of the world. And then he says, no one puts a light under a basket. Why, why would we take a light if we had a light? Why would we take that light and hide it under a basket? That's not going to do us any good, is it? 
It's not going to do you any good. It's not going to do those in your household any good. It's not going to do those in your community any good. It's not going to do those in America any good. It's not going to make any impact. Suddenly because you're going to consume that light, you're going to cover that light, and because you're covering the light, the darkness prevails. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, we place it on a stand. Why? So that we can help, so we can benefit, so we can conquer the darkness with the lights. Again, I began looking at the Christmas story, and I realized that the birth of Jesus, the light of the world, it caused quite an emotion in that little town of Bethlehem. Angels begin talking to people. A peasant teenage girl becomes the mother of the Messiah. Shepherds leave their flock, which is unheard of, simply to find a baby. Those that heard the good news were astonished. Magi begin traveling a great distance, following this star, this light in the sky. The Bible says that Herod was so fearful of this baby that he had every toddler and younger killed in the area trying to get rid of Jesus. Mary and Joseph and the baby, they leave the little town of Bethlehem and they travel to Egypt. A lot of commotion, a lot of change happened because the light penetrated the darkness. And I wonder today, what sort of response are you stirring with this good news of of great joy? As you take on this role of being the light of the world, as you shine that light into the darkness, what sort of response are you stirring up to the world around you? Because the Bible says in Matthew 16, 15, go into the world. Come on. Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Church, that's our calling, that's our responsibility. That's taking up the hard and the heavy and making it easy for the one. That's going to where they are. Some of you are saying today to yourself, well, pastor, that's just not my personality. I'm not one to go about proclaiming to the world anything. I'm a pretty quiet, reserved individual. After all, have you seen the place I work What sort of difference could it make anyway? It was author Doug Fields that once said this, a life of observation is a wasted life. But a life of participation in the work of the kingdom, that's for Jesus, is the reason we were born. We weren't created God didn't breathe life into you just so that you could exist and observe. But he gave you life to be a source of hope, to be a source of light, to bring about change to a broken world. I want you to wrap yourself around something this morning. Darkness 
can never overcome the lights. Come on, look at that. Darkness can never overcome the light, but light always overcomes the darkness. Our third question is this. Is my Christian life motivating others? This is something for you to ponder today. Is your walk with Jesus Christ, is it motivating others to bring about some sort of change? God created you and me to produce light in a dark world. And like any light source, it has the potential to produce light, but it cannot produce the light unless it's connected to the energy source. I can have a lamp today. And if that lamp is not plugged in, there is no way that light bulb is going to light up. Right? But the moment I plug it in and I turn that light on, it illuminates the darkness. I want you to understand, for you and I today, Jesus is our source. Look what it says in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people one more time and said, I am the light of the world. If, come on, there's the question, if you have a choice, if you choose to follow me, you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in the darkness. I don't know about you, but I don't like to walk around in the darkness. Every time I've tried that at night, it doesn't end well. Anybody else? Initially, that's going to be the time, every single time, that's going to be the time that you find the leg to the couch when you try to walk around in the darkness. But Jesus said, if, if you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness because you will have, in other words, you'll be connected to the light that leads to life. And then in Matthew 5, 14, again, it says, you are the light of the world. So now Jesus has taken that and he's transferred that to you and to me today. Jesus is the light. Now we're plugged into Jesus. Now we are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Look at our third verse. And by the light of that same star, three wise men came from a country far to seek for a king was their intent, and to follow the star wherever it went. Now, none of us like to walk around in darkness. If we're completely honest with ourselves, none of us like the darkness. But here's the deal. If we really want to let the light shine like the city on a hill, you have to make yourself available and give yourself to God. Here's what I understand about candles. Candles have to die to themselves in order to produce light. As I light a candle, and, and this coming week we're going to have our candlelight service Christmas Eve, and at that service we're going to have candles throughout the room, and I'm going to light one, I'm going to have it sitting here on my podium, and as I light that candle, that candle has to die to itself in order to produce light for us to see. Just like the candle, we must daily deny ourselves. The Bible says if we want to be his follower, if we want to follow after Jesus, we've got to daily deny ourselves. 
We got to take up that cross. We got to follow him. So I wonder, are you willing to let your light penetrate a dark world for the cause of Christ? Are you willing to deny yourself? Are you willing to take up the hard and the heavy to make it easy for the one? So that the one can come to know Christ. What do I mean by the one? Oftentimes in the Bible, there's parables and it talks about the, the little lost lamb, the one lamb that went away and the shepherd went to find, or the lost coin, and you had to find that coin. What we're talking about are lives that are lost without Jesus. I ran some numbers, had my wife run some numbers this week, and I've discovered in the year 2022, we've had 99 people give their life to Christ. But my first thought was this. What about the one? 99, we've almost, almost 100. What about the one? What do we need to do so that the one can come to know Christ? We celebrate the 99. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when somebody gives their life to Christ. But there's still room for one more. What are we going to do to reach the lost, to reach the broken? Are we willing to allow ourselves, to deny ourselves so that the light that Christ has placed in us penetrates the dark and perverse world? Our final question is this. Am I working for a common goal? See, any great move of God, when it's occurred, we've seen that people are moving in one direction, the Bible says that in the early days when the Holy Spirit was falling, they were all in one accord. They had one focus. They were in unity together. In the Old Testament, there was a time when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which consumed or held the presence of God, and they were carrying that along. And the Bible says that all of them together, they prepared themselves, and they began to sing in unison praises to God. What is unison? It means we're moving in the same direction. We're doing the same thing. We have a common goal. And I wonder, are we individually, are we working for a common goal? Yes, I know as a church, we have our vision. Yeah, as a church, we know where we're headed. But what about us as individuals? Are we moving in the same direction? Are we allowing that light to move us to where God would have us to be? I believe that's the foundational reason why we celebrate and why we're celebrating Christmas. We celebrate the arrival of our Savior and our Redeemer. Look at our final verse. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught and with his blood mankind have bought. I can't help but think of a man by the name of Simeon. Now, Simeon isn't a guy that you think a lot about on the Christmas story. If I was to ask you to name the characters of the Christmas story, you'd say, well, the angel Gabriel. You'd say Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. You might say, well, the shepherds or, or even the wise men. And you might even, if you really know the story, you might say, okay, well, you had John the Baptist's mom, Elizabeth. She was kind of there because six months earlier, Mary had gone to talk to her and all these things are going on. But there's this other guy by the name of Simeon. And we read about it right after the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Beginning in 25, it says this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was 
eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon was a man of God. Simeon was persistent in his faith. The Holy Spirit had consumed Simeon and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God. And I began looking at this story and I realized the presence of Jesus is what Simeon longed to experience. Just to be in the presence of the Messiah. The shepherds experienced that very same presence. Mary and Joseph, they were all changed because the message of the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus. Any one of them could have refused. Any one of them could have walked away. How many of us this morning are allowing ourselves to really be the vessel that God wants to use? Simeon, shepherds, Mary and Joseph, they all said, here we are. Let's go. Let's do this. See, we've got a responsibility to, to spread the Christmas cheer, to give hope to the hopeless, to be light among the darkness. We must come back to the place of our first love with Jesus. Lord, what can I do to be a light for you? See, it's not only time to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in these walls, but it's time to shine that good news to the world beyond. I wonder today, willing to be a light? I'm not talking about a Christmas light. I'm not talking about a twinkle light. I'm not talking about a flashlight. I'm talking about are you willing to be a beacon for the cause of Christ? To share that good news. To share that hope. Bring about the change in the world for which Jesus came. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.